Good morning. All right, man. Hey, spring is on its way, I promise. Just like Easter, two weeks. In two weeks, Easter will be here. And it's uh, on a day that normally it doesn't fall. Uh, it's actually falling on, on April Fool's, uh, which is kind of interesting. We were talking about different funny things we could do, you know, maybe like, you know, have Jesus, you know, like he's going to be coming out of a grave and then be like, April Fool's, he's still in there, you know, type thing. But then we're like, no, we better not go that far. And trying to think through different ways to be creative on Easter. But here's what I can say. We are going to have a phenomenal weekend uh, on Easter weekend. And leading into that, we'll actually have our good to great event. And so uh, let me just share my heart behind this, because I know that many of you are saying, man, I would love to be a part of that. So uh, this will be our third annual Good to Great event. Last year, we really did it up big. We invested $20,000 into our community. And the whole premise of it was, was this, is we wanted to show God's love in a practical way on the day that the church would celebrate the greatest sacrifice of mankind, Jesus dying on the cross. We wanted to celebrate through sacrifice and, and actually show God's love to our community. And so we're asking you to be involved and to be a part of that. Last year we had over 260 people who said, man, I want to be a part. And uh, we're looking for over 300 this year. And so we need you to be involved. We want you to be involved. And, and one of the great things is you get a free t-shirt out of the deal. And on Good Friday, what we're going to do is we're going to be blanketing the entire city of Adrian from restaurants to, to um, car washes to various uh, excuse me, businesses across our town, we're going to be just blanketing them with random acts of kindness throughout the day. We're going to be doing stuff with several of our nonprofits by helping uh, actually get supplies for the food pantry, various things. My wife, Kasha, is leading it up with a team of people, and Cindy Wood, who you just saw up here a few moments ago, uh, is helping with that, and there are many, many others. And so some of you are asking this question. So, okay, Pastor Brian, how do I get involved? In fact, why don't you just go ahead and ask that? Now, not everyone asked that. So look at your neighbor and say, why did you not ask how you get involved? All right. Because here's the thing. We want all of you to be involved. And, and if we had over 300, that's fine. We will figure out ways for you to be involved. We're, we're actually in conversations even with the, the uh, skating rink and looking at doing some stuff there. And so maybe some of you are like, man, I would love to get my skate on. You were like, back in the day, you were all one of those, you know, like, you could go backwards, you could, you could go forwards, you could do it all, you know, and uh, some of you are like, man, I would, I would love to be able to do that, and I could, I could pull out my skates from back in the day, you know, some of you have some skates with some multicolored wheels on them uh, back in the day, and uh, maybe you'd want to be a part of that, but whatever way you say, hey, I, I could give some time on Good Friday, we would love to have you be involved. And so you can sign up at the kiosk uh, right outside the doors, um, or you can go into um, our online community builder. It's called the CCB, and you, there's actually a forum inside of there. And I don't know if there's an easy URL that's there. What is that? Oh, it's on Facebook. Well, everything's on Facebook. So if you need to sign up and you can't do it at the kiosk, you can go to Facebook. And you can go to Bethany Assembly on Facebook. And everything you ever wanted to know is on Facebook. Because Facebook knows everything. 
Not really. But we want you to be involved and be a part. And for many, it's, it's a day where not only are you going to bless people, but you'll be blessed by them as well. You're going to hear stories from people and have moments to be able to pray with people that I believe will be life-changing. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, some of you are saying, you know, hey, Pastor Brian, every year it's great that we do that. I also want to encourage you, maybe some of you are saying, hey, how can I partner financially with this? And uh, what actually provides the funds for us to be able to do this day is, is kingdom builders. And so every time that you're giving towards kingdom builders, it goes towards that. But we said, you know what? What if we gave people an opportunity to give above and beyond and really put some money towards it? So if you want to, the next two weeks, this week and next week, if you want to put specifically towards good to great, then just write G2G, so good to great, or you can just write good to great out uh, on your offering envelope or you can give online as well. We would love for you to partner with us to be a part of that uh, weekend. And we're looking at even doing more um, than the 20,000 this year, and that's gonna come through your giving. And so we want you guys to be a part of that. Um, Easter Sunday, I did mention that it's two weeks away. You know, this is the biggest time of the year where people actually say yes when you invite them to church. See, some of you, you've been inviting people all year, and you've been like, man, they keep telling me no, they keep telling me no. Can I just encourage you, invite them on Easter. Because Easter is one of the most, um, most invited times of the year for, for people to come in. And so we just want to encourage you. And so on the way out today, you'll be getting a card like this. This is an invite card for you to be able to give to somebody else. And then we're going to have three gatherings on Easter because we're anticipating such a larger crowd. And so we have three gathering times that are going to be different. We have an 8.30, a 10 o'clock, and 11.30. And you may say, Pastor Brian, that means that the gathering can only be an hour. I know. We're going to jam-pack it on Easter Sunday. Uh, but it's going to be an hour long. You'll be in and you'll be out. And so you'll be able to, to go and do your Easter thing and whatever that Easter thing is and just invite people. It's going to be awesome. Let me, um, let me get into my message this morning. Enough of the commercial. <laughs> In fact, can we do this this morning? Can we, can we pray? Father, Father, I know that today's subject, God, is one that I, God, not only have seen in my own life, but God, I see it every week as I look over the faces of people in our church body. God, things that we've allowed to become a stronghold in our life that are literally holding us back from accomplishing what you're calling us to do, the dreams that you've placed in our heart. We've allowed this stronghold, Father, to take root inside of us, to become a part of the way we think, the way we respond. And Father, I pray that today, God, you would break free in people's lives. God, that this stronghold, God, would be demolished, that people's minds and hearts would be made right with you. Father, that this week, God, people would see that there is true freedom that can be given to them by simply asking. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, for you to be here during this gathering, during these times, breaking down the walls, the strongholds that have been built up in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
These are the times, said Thomas Paine, that try men's souls. You've probably heard that before, but maybe not known where it came from. But back in December 23rd of 1776, those words were penned. These are the times that try men's souls. You see, the subject that we're talking about today is something that has been battling for the hearts and minds of mankind since the beginning. In fact, if you were to narrow it down and really get down to the, to the bottom line, this subject matter, the stronghold that we're going to be talking about today is something that I think we can even see in operation back at the garden. Back at where we see God creating, we see this subject, this stronghold developing in the hearts and lives of Adam and Eve. This idea of something that would cause shame in their life, something that would become a barrier between them and God, and maybe not even knowing that it's a barrier there. When I look across our cultural landscape, what I see right now is we're living in a very diverse time. But at the same time of there being a diverse culture around us, there's also a divisive culture. There's sides that have been drawn. There's divided societies among us. There is divisive elections that happen among us. There's growth of extreme perspectives on various things. All fueled by fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. In fact, much of what I think we're struggling with as a culture comes from this stronghold today. It is fear. See, fear is an interesting thing. Fear is something that we don't even realize many times is happening among us in our minds, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our church. Fear. Ever known someone who's living in fear? Fear is everywhere, from emotional fear to financial fears to relational fears to spiritual fears. There is fear all among us, and what is happening is people are literally being crippled by fear. Now, we can see the extremes of it. I, I have heard of people who can't even leave their homes because they're so fearful of what is going on around them. Our young people are fearful right now in many schools of even going into the schools because of the shootings and, and the mass killings that have been happening. And there's fear that's gripping the hearts and minds of our young people. When I grew up, I, I never questioned that I would ever be safe at school. My mind never even went there. That wasn't even a thought. But yet, our young people are today are growing up in a culture where they're fearful even to jump on a bus. They're fearful to even go to school. Fear is all around us, and, and when we look at media, what we see is media is producing and fueling the fear that's around us. See, some of you, you know, you love watching Fox News, but what Fox News loves to do is they love to stoke the fire of fear in your life. Just look at the headlines that you'll see on Fox News, and you'll see they're fear-driven. Look at CNN. They're fear-driven. They're going after the constituents or constituents, I can't say the word, the people <laughs> that they're going after, the ones that would be their market, quote-unquote, they're going after them, and they're fueling those 
areas of fear. They're trying to see if they can stoke those fires. I was talking with someone just this week, and they were telling me, man, you know, they were talking bad about CNN news. And I looked at them and I said, man, it's not just CNN, it's Fox as well. And they, you would have thought I had called out Jesus for a moment. And they were like, well, Fox News is good, and da 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 and, and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. They're an organization that prides itself on news, yes. And, and maybe based upon your alignment, you like the news that they present you. But can we disagree that news media is not, is not unbiased? It's always biased. There's always some agenda that's being pushed. There's always somebody who's out there stoking the fire. So listen, before you believe everything you see that comes through your Facebook feed or Fox News or CNN or whatever, can I just tell you something? The enemy is using that fear to grip a hold of the minds and hearts of people all over. And fear is something that will make us question everything around us. It'll lead to areas of panic and anxiety. It will make us ask questions like, can I even make it? I'm not sure. I'm uncertain. Many of the fears we face personally are because of experiences we've had. I remember when I was a young boy. I don't know too many of the details, but all I remember is my parents were building a house Next to our house, there was this field, and they were doing a bunch of work, and, and as they were uh, doing a bunch of work with, you know, heavy equipment, they came across a gardener snake den, and inside of that gardener snake den was all of these small gardener snakes, and, and basically the guy kind of reached down and grabbed all these snakes out, and they're all going crazy and everything, and I remember as a little boy being intrigued by that till he pulled those snakes out and was like, come here, Brian, and began chasing after me. Now, in my mind, and I honestly, I was really trying to process through this. Did this really happen? I don't know if it did, but we'll just go with it. Man, I thought that he put those snakes on me and had them going down my back and stuff. I don't know if that was just because I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, and, and saw that moment. I, I don't know what it was, but for me as a young boy, that scarred me. I hate snakes. Like, I actually have a fear of snakes in a way. Like, if I see a snake, it's dead. Some people are like, well, that was a good snake. It eats, it eats like mice and stuff. I'm like, I have traps that will do that. I don't need a snake to do that. I take literal the scripture, you know, it says chop its head off, that it will be underneath my feet, you know, like, like I hate snakes. I, I really do. Some people, you know, like, I was, down in, uh, I was down south here a while back, and, and I literally was going into McDonald's, and there was a McDonald's worker, which was weird, out there with a big old boa constructor around her neck and other students around, and they had their boa constructors, and they were like showing them off to each other. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? And this guy... Um, so I talked to this guy in the restaurant, and he, I said, what is that all about? He's like, oh, it's the latest thing with young people. Like they're carrying snakes around. I'm like, that is weird. But also for me, it's freaky. I ain't gonna put no snake around my neck that could all of a sudden wrap around me and choke me out. 
See, I got fears. And it comes down to a moment when I was a young boy when that happened. See, our fears can easily become a stronghold. Our experiences can easily become a stronghold. Strongholds, by definition, we've been talking about this, is is a prisoner that's locked by deception. You know what's crazy is as a young boy, those gardener snakes would have done no harm to me whatsoever. But in my mind, I thought those things are going to kill me. Like they have the potential to kill me. It was a deception. My mind put all these different reasons into it and, and, and how these snakes could destroy me. It was, it was deception. We talked about how strongholds are living life by something that is not true. And that's where the stronghold of fear comes in. This idea that, that you have to live a fearful life, that you can't grab a hold of things. Listen, this stronghold of fear is there and it's all around you. Know anyone who's living in fear? Ever struggle with fear yourself? John 14, 27 says this, I am leaving you with a gift. It says the peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a, a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or be afraid. Jesus shares these words with you and me. Listen, I'm leaving. I'm, 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 I'm going to be taken off, but, but I'm going to leave you with something, peace of mind and of heart. Not only are you going to know it in your mind, but you're going to know it in your soul. You see, many of us have allowed not the peace of God to rule and reign in our minds. We've allowed what's happening in our culture to rule and reign in our minds. And that's begun to influence our hearts to where instead of being confident when God lays a dream upon our heart to go after something for the kingdom, we second-guess it, we question it. See, what I know is going to happen here in two weeks when we go out and, and Good Friday happens and we're showing God's love around our community, what's going to happen is the enemy's going to come in and he's going to tell you things like this, God could never use you. But yet I believe what's going to happen is you're going to do a random act of kindness and someone's going to open up to you. And they're going to say, man, I've been battling with this. And you're going to look at them and you're going to feel inadequate when they ask. And you feel in your spirit like God's saying, hey, you should pray for them right now. But I'm believing what's going to happen is people are going to conquer fears. And they're going to pray for people in those moments. And what is going to miraculously happen is people are going to be healed. That lives are going to be restored. If you were to flip a few verses later, chapters later in John, you would see in John 15, he talks about that he's the vine. He's that anyone who's a part of the vine, anyone who abides in him, that he abides in them. But then in John 16, verse 33, he says this, I've said these things to you. So he's been talking about abiding in him. He's been talking about being confident in him. He's been talking about having the peace but then he says this, he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace because in the world you will have tribulation. But he says, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Listen, Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome death. He's overcome wars. He's overcome cancer. He's overcome people who've lost their jobs. He has overcome the things of this world, the things that you're fearful of, the things that, that you're struggling with. He has overcome them. 
But what's interesting about fears is, is, is we have so many fears among our culture now, we categorize them. Over 2,000 different categories of fears. Fears like arachnophobia. Now, we know that one. That would be fear of spiders. But here we go. Uh, aerophobia. The fear of flying. Glossophobia. The fear of public speaking. Photophobia. The fear that you don't ever look good in pictures. <laughs> That's a weird one. Uh, pedophobia. Fear of children. That would be an awesome one to have. If you have that, I want to know. Because I just want to bring some kids up from nursery and just say, here you go! <laughs> Chase them around! <laughs> Agoraphobia, fear of open places. Zoophobia, fear of animals. Claustrophobia, fear of being in small places. Here we go. Uh, I know some people in our church who have this. Uh, Gameophobia. It's the fear of marriage. <laughs> Some of you just put people in your mind in those categories. Here we go. Uh, a, a nudipodia is the fear of staying single. Uh, oh, here we go. This one probably, I probably have. This is a, a lyriophobia. It's the fear of cats. I'm not scared of cats. I just hate cats. <laughs> I know some of you are like cat lovers, and I, and I, I love that you love cats, and, and, I'll, and I, won't, I try not to talk bad about cats, but like I just, you know, like you walk into a room and the dumb thing comes up and rubs on your leg. It's like, can't you just be normal like a dog and just sit there and just look at me? That's okay. But when you come up, you start rubbing, you start going through my legs, and... Oh, cats. Dentophobia, fear of dentists. Uh, Paletophobia, fear of becoming bald. I have that one. Um, but you know what's interesting? The top two fears out there, really, um, my research, are public speaking and death. Public speaking and death. When we look at fear, we see by definition, it's interesting, it says this, Fear, uh, the dictionary says, is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. And then get this, whether the threat is real or imagined. How many of us are dealing with fears that are just in our imagination? Fears of people not liking you. It's like, I just, I don't think they would ever like me. It's like, no one has ever even said that. But yet you have this fear that no one will ever love you. No one will ever care for you. I asked a simple question on Facebook in preparation for this week. And it was, it was interesting, all the responses that we received. But, but I said, what are some fears that you or others have that are a stronghold in life? As I began looking through this, I mean, I, I had over 70 responses that came through. And when I was reading through those, I was like, okay, what, what's been some big fears that kind of have been, you know, main themes that have come out? And so I kind of categorized a few of them. One of them was the fear of not being good enough. Ever struggle with that? Just, I don't know that I can be good enough. The fear of rejection was another. 
A fear of failure was a big one. That was kind of an underlining theme throughout. And then, then this one, I think, was actually, and Kasha and I were talking about this, a fear of being alone. This, uh, this idea of, of not being wanted, this idea of being alone in life, of, of, of not having community around us. And, and I really believe it goes back to the way we were designed. You see, you and I were designed with community. That's why God goes and he creates everything, right? And then all of a sudden he gets to Adam and Eve and he's created Adam. And then he goes, ah, everything's good, but it's not good for Adam to be alone. So he creates Eve. See, I think literally the thing that cripples many of us the most is the fear of being alone. It's a fear of not having community. So what do we do with this fear? How, how do we overcome this fear that, that we're facing in life? I love how Eleanor Roosevelt put it. She said this, she said, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look at fear in the face. You must do the thing that you think you cannot do. You stare fear in the face and you say, nope, I'm going to press through this moment. The first time I remember taking Kasha on a roller coaster, she had a fear. I'm like, babe, it's going to be okay. They strap you in. Everything's good. She still had a fear. Now, she hadn't had an experience yet. Now, she's not one who still loves coasters. So she's never like, hey, Brian, let's go to Cedar Point. I would love that, but she's not. She's just not that type of person. But she will go because she's conquered that fear. You know how she conquered that fear? She got on the roller coaster, and she did it. And at the end of it, after she had screamed her lungs out, she realized, I'm not going to die. You see, for many of us, it's looking fear in the face and saying, I'm going to press through. The passage of Scripture we've been digging into talks about how though we live in this world, we don't wage war with the weapons of the world, but our weapons actually have power. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now the first week in the series we were talking about lies, lies that the enemy's always speaking. But here's what I think the enemy does all the time is he speaks lies into our fears. And God wants to demolish the stronghold of fear in your life. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor and say demolish the stronghold of fear. Some of you don't know if that's possible. Because for you, fear has been something you've been struggling with your entire life. We've always met people around us, we call them daredevils, right? They're the ones who seem to have no fear. And we say, oh, they're reckless, they're crazy, they, they have no fear in those moments. But can I just say, I think what has happened is they've simply pressed through moments 
where fear tried to say, no, this is who you are, and they've said, no, that's not who I am. Every year we see people doing things that, that society says cannot be done. Athletes are a great example of this. They're always breaking new records, always doing things that people say, there's no way someone could ever run that fast or someone could ever run that far. There's no way people could ever do that, but yet people are doing it all the time. Why? Because they just said, you know what? I'm going to stare fear in the face and show it who's boss. But here's what fear does. Fear does three things that I want to share with you this morning, and then we'll talk about some things that will help us through fear. But fear does three things. The first thing is, is fear consumes your mind. Isn't that so true? Fear has a way of becoming what we think about all the time. And here's what's crazy is that even by definition, remember, fear was something that could be real or imagined. Most of the time, the things that we fear actually never happen. But yet we allow them to consume our minds in a way to where every time we face that situation, our mind goes back to that moment, that fear, that struggle that we have. It consumes us. But I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 13, verse 2. It says this. He says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? He's talking about this idea of wrestling with things that are in the mind and, and that then those things produce sorrow. It's like this longing, like, man, how, how can I ever get over these things? He says, how long will the enemy triumph over me? See, the enemy is trying to triumph over you and me, like the psalmist was saying, but yet when we look at the life of David, we see a man who the enemy was always trying to speak fear into his life, but yet he was one who said, in the moments, in the things that I'm facing, I know that God is greater than my fears. I know that he's greater than the struggles that I have. Pastor Braley was sharing with me this morning. He said, you know, it's interesting how much fear consumes our mind. He said, he was reading in a book here a while back, and it said this, one insult, one insult, plus a thousand compliments equals one insult. Because, see, what happens is, is fear and negative things consumes our mind even over the positives. Ever seen that in play in your life? Someone's given a ton of positive areas over here, but yet one negative area becomes the one thing that we focus in on. That's what happens with our fear all the time, is that the one area that we're fearful of, one area that we're struggling in, becomes the very thing that consumes our mind. It becomes the filter for everything that we're facing. Number two, not only does it consume your mind, but also fear clouds your judgment. Fear causes people to lose their perspective all the time. Have you ever seen those videos online where the people are walking across the glass bridge and it's like over like this area where it's really, really far down? And literally, the fear grips people so much that they're, I mean, it's glass, but they're freaked out so much that they're screaming and curled up in a ball on the ground like, oh, I can't do this. It's like, listen, it, nothing is going to happen. 
It's solid ground. Just walk. Just get out of there. But it clouds your judgment because fear has a way of not only consuming our mind, but clouding our judgments. People make bad decisions all the time out of fear. People make bad decisions with their money out of fear. Anyone remember Y2K? (laughs) Come on, talk about the best example of clouding people's judgment. Some of you are still eating rice from Y2K. Some of you still have gasoline in your homes. You're like, because you're like, you never know. You never know. You got barrels of food in your home. It clouds people's judgment all the time. Fear does. I remember the church I was at on staff at that time. And they literally, like it was, it was Y2K prep. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I remember just saying to Kasha, well, if it happens, God will take care of us. We didn't have no stockpile. I didn't, I mean, I didn't even go out and buy a bottle of water. There wasn't anything. I was just like, hey, if it happens, God will take care of us. I was not going to let fear rule my mind and my heart. I mean, people were consumed by fear during that time. I mean, worried about like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I was talking with a friend of mine, and he's so fearful of stuff happening that, that, or his father, excuse me, is so fearful of things happening that his father literally has the whole game plan of when it all goes south of what's going to happen. And he has stockpiles of money around the house. I mean, not just little amounts of money, like tens of thousands of dollars around the house. Has guns all in different places and literally goes up to his son and says, here you go, here's the manual in case everything goes bad. Here's where everything is. And this guy has literally spent his entire life savings on preparing for doomsday. Fear. Fear. It causes us to lose our perspective and clouds our judgment. The next thing it does is it controls our life. Not only does it consume us, not only does it cloud our judgment, but it begins to control our lives. Fear makes you begin to think things and experience things that aren't even there. I've seen fear actually make people sick. They literally become the very thing they're fearful of. It controls their actions. It controls what they do. It controls what they don't do. It controls them in a way to where fear begins to control their life. They become the very thing they're fearful of. But Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Don't allow fear to consume your mind and control your life and to cloud your judgment. Be people who would be strong and courageous, who would not fear, who would not be dread, dreading other things that are around. No, they would would know who they are in Christ. They would know that Christ will never leave them nor forsake them. So how do we get to that point? How do we get to the point where fear no longer rules and reigns in our minds and in our hearts? 
I don't know that I have to go through and keep telling you about things that we're fearful of. I mean, people literally build rooms in their homes that are panic rooms, right? Where, where literally if anything ever goes wrong, you can go in that room and you can hide out and it's been fortified and all these. I mean, fear grips people's minds and hearts. And the Bible, though, talks about this idea of, of God being like, I guess the best way to say is God becomes your refuge. He becomes your spiritual panic room, quote unquote, that you and I are to run to when fear comes at us. See, fear will be there. I'm not saying, you know, just ignore fear altogether. No, fear will be there. The question is, is where are you running to when fear rears its head? Are you running to people around you? Calling up somebody and saying, well, have you heard? Have you heard that this and this and this happened? Have you heard that North Korea has, has nukes and they're going to blow us up and Trump's making them mad and oh my goodness. Like, who are you calling? Who are you taking refuge in? Who are you turning to in times of need? The Bible says that those who are in Christ, that we have an area, a refuge, a place where we can go because we're in Christ, and so we can retreat to those places when we face things that are uncertain. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3 says this, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. Listen, God goes with you. will fight your battles with you. Those strongholds that are there, he wants to demolish those things. John Acuff in his book, Start, Punch Fear in the Face, Escape Average, and Do Work That Matters, says this regarding fear. He says, voices of fear in our head are invisible bullies. They hate it when you make them visible. He says the best way to make them visible is to dress them up with words, to write them down in a simple notebook. They can't stand to be documented because the minute they are, you can see how stupid they are and how full of lies they are in the light of day. When Pastor Bradley was actually sharing that with me, I said, man, that is so good because it's a practical thing that you and I need to do. Listen, some of you need to take a moment and you need to write out your fears. And then you need to step back from that and then you need to look at it and be like, you're really scared of gardener snakes? You're that big of a guy and you're scared of gardener snakes? They're not even poisonous. You're scared of gardener snakes? Like seriously? Like that's ridiculous. There's something to be said of writing out our fears. Writing it out and then stepping back and looking at Pastor Bradley was saying this. He said, you know, I've actually been doing that with things in my life. I've actually been writing out some fears. And then he goes, I kind of take a moment, I step back from it, and I look back at it. And he goes, and I read it to myself. And all of a sudden I go, oh, that's pretty dumb that I thought that way. Now, that's a practical way to be able to overcome things. Let me share with you um, four ways to overcome, though, with the Scripture. First is this, is that you and I need to come back to God. 
We need to come back to God's plan. See, some of you, you have been listening too much to Fox News, to CNN, to other people around you. You need to come back to God's plan. You need to come back to knowing your purpose, knowing who you are in Christ, your identity. See, the problem many of our fears are is they're connected to a lack of identity. When we forget who we are in Christ, we allow fears to become greater than that. But when we remember who we are in Christ, when we return back to God's original plan that we're his sons and his daughters, there is nothing that we should be fearful of because we should trust that God has got it. See, doubt and fear many times are like muscles. Every time you believe a lie about yourself, it gets easier to believe the next time. But the same is true. Every time you believe who God has called you to be, every time you declare that you're a son, that you're a daughter of the king, guess what begins to happen? It becomes easier for you to continue to believe that the next time. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. A few verses later in verse 31, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, you are sons and daughters of the king. Don't let fear rule its ugly head and cloud your judgment and make you make bad decisions and and do these different. No, know who you are in Christ. Come back to God's plan. The second thing is this, is is you need to observe God's presence. And if anything, the reason why you should be at church every Sunday is because you should be longing to be in God's presence with other believers. You should be like, man, I just, I can't wait to get to the moments of worship because that means I'm gonna be around other people. But see, some of us, you get so consumed with, with whether you like the song or whether you don't like the song, and you're missing out on whether God's presence is there or not. If God's presence is there, it shouldn't matter what the song type is like or, or what the lights do or anything like that. We should be like, no, God's presence is there. God's presence is there. I, I need to be in God's presence. I, I need to go after God's presence. We need to observe God's presence. We need to worship in the middle of panic. We need to worship in the middle of fear. We need to worship when things aren't going right. We need to worship when the bank account says, oh, it's not too good. We need to worship when we've gotten in with a fight with our spouse. We need to worship in those moments and observe the presence of God. Because if we'll do that, what will happen is this fear has to go. It can't stick around. Because fear and God's presence don't mix. Psalms 27 verse 1 says this, The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries, my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What the psalmist is talking about is someone who is observing the presence of God. And even though wars were around them, even though the enemy was raising its ugly head, it was like, no, nah, no. Nah. I'm observing God's presence. I don't walk in fear. Which leads me to the third is this, is is you need to operate then in God's provision. You know what, Kasha and I, why we were so confident at Y2K that we didn't need to be all prepared in all those ways? You may say, but that was kind of foolish, Pastor Brian. All the analysts, everyone was saying that. No, you know what? We just knew that we could operate in God's provision. 
Because you know what Kosh and I have realized through our lives is that it has never been our provision that takes care of it. It's always been his. Every time I try to produce it, every time I try to take care of it, I don't do a good job of it. <laughs> but every time I say, no, God's got this, guess what God does? He not only has it, he takes care of it above and beyond. And Kosh and I knew that even if we faced a calamity like they were talking about, we knew that God would take care of us. We knew it. Plus, we had enough friends who were crazy enough to be prepared. And we knew God could use them as well. We were willing to operate in God's provision. Remember that God is on your side. See with eyes of faith. Think about Joshua. He saw an army coming against them. He thought they were outnumbered. He thought it was too big. It was too great. But look what he says. It says, have I not, the Lord speaking to him, have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, just like God spoke that to Joshua, he's speaking that to you and me. He's saying, listen, I will go with you no matter where you go. You don't have to fear. Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say the Lord is our helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Man can't do nothing. God's got me. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil. For, we, for why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will what? dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, the enemy cannot take the presence of God away from you. He can't. Even if you're by yourself, locked in a cell somewhere, the enemy cannot take the presence of God away from you. Which leads me to my last one, and that's this, is that you and I then have to model God's peace. See, as believers, we need to model it. I don't know what happened years ago and why fear crept into the church like it did. The only thing I can think of is there was believers who stopped modeling God's peace. People stopped modeling it out and people started listening to voices of fear around them. And all of a sudden what happened is people were modeling fear rather than modeling God's peace. And then it became contagious across churches. Churches started operating in fear. We started thinking that if we could create a bubble, if we could tell people what we were against rather than what we were for, no, God's peace that we need to model actually shows people around what it means to live a life that says, I trust God in spite of everything around me. I know that God has got me. So how do we show this? How, 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 do, we, how do we live differently? What does that look like? And I'll close with this. Moses, Moses shares this. He, it's found in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. It says, and he said, my presence, this is the Lord speaking, will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, then do not bring us up from here. See, see Moses knew something. He, he knew that he needed the presence of the Lord. For how long shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? It is not in your going with us 
so that we are a distinct, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. What Moses was saying, listen, I want to be set apart. I want to be different. I want people to know and see that the presence of God is with me, that I can walk in that confidence. People should be looking at us, the church, and they should be going, man, they're so confident. They know who they are. They're not worried. They're not, they're not being guided by, come on, now listen, I know I'm being hard on them right now. But you've got to stop listening to the news as that is your source. I'm telling you, the news is not your friend. They're not out there trying to keep you well informed. They are trying to plant seeds of fear in your life so that you will be dictated so that when time later comes and they want to push an agenda, they can push an agenda anyway based upon knowing the fears that they planted in your heart and in your life. You and I need to be looking to God's word and what God's word says rather than the media that's around us. No matter who it is you listen to, God's word is truth. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of love and power and self-control. John 14.27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world does, gives you, I give you. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, the world, fear wants to consume you. Fear wants to cloud your judgment. Fear wants to control you. But what God says to you and I is he says this. He says, if you'll come back to me, if you'll come back to me, if you'll observe what I'm doing in your life, if you'll operate in that, and if you'll model that, then what will happen is, is you and I can then be people who are not dictated by our fears, but are actually living life based upon who God says he is. Because there is no fear in love. But perfect love actually casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Come back to him. Observe him. Operate in it. And model it. I've been praying all week over this moment. Because there are too many dreams. There are too much provision. There's too much of God's anointing. There's too many things that God wants to do that are being held back by your fear. I believe God wants to set you free from that. I remember years ago when my wife was battling fear. Her fear was to ever get on a stage and ever share. And I remember how I would come alongside her and I would encourage her and I would challenge her and say, babe, you've got this. Like your story is powerful. Like God wants to use you. And she would look at the circumstances and say, Brian, I'm not you. I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't come naturally like it does to you. And all these different things. Man, I can tell you, when she took those steps in her life, 
to say, I'm no longer gonna let that fear take me out. I have seen her deliver some of the most powerful messages. And we're planning right now for on Mother's Day for her and my daughter to actually both share here. And they're gonna be talking about what God's been doing in their lives and just be sharing this message. And man, I'm telling you, like, like inside of my heart, I'm like, yes. That was a moment where she had to conquer some fear. Listen, there are things that I've been fearful in my life that God has said, Brian, I need you to conquer these fears. There are things in your life that you've been facing for years that the enemy has placed in there and they're fears. Some of you, you have not trusted God in your finances. You haven't started tithing and you haven't, haven't given in offerings and stuff. It's because of fear. You're afraid you don't have enough. You're afraid, what if God doesn't take care of me? And I'm telling you, listen, that is a lie from the enemy. And the Lord is saying, listen, if you'll trust me in this, it's the one place in the scripture where he says, test me and see if I will not open up the storehouses of heaven upon you. Test me, see. God is looking to you and me and he's saying, listen, test me. See if I will not be faithful in this. But fear creeps in and says, well, no, if you do this and this. And God's like, no, 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 just let me take care of this. And it's going to come through us modeling this. So here's what I want us to do. Everyone in the room, if you could stand to your feet. I want you to do something with me this morning. I, I I know I don't normally do this. I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you grab the hands of the person next to you. Because here's what I know. I know when it comes to fear, we all face different fears in our lives. And there's something to be said of us coming together in a moment like this to battle fear. There are people who are on your left and they're on your right who are facing various fears in their life. And, and they, some of us, we don't even know how to even put them into words, but, but they're there. And so here's what I'm gonna ask. We are better together. And if this community would model what it means to be victorious, what it means to be people who are marching through our fears, what would happen is, is our culture would change around us. And they would start to listen to the message that we are speaking and preaching with our mouths because we would start modeling it out in our hearts and our lives. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I'm not going to ask anyone to say, hey, how many of you are dealing with fear? Because I think each and every one of us, there is some fear in our life that we've battled. And so knowing that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment and I want you to pray for the person on your left and on your right. And I want you to take a moment and just say, God, would you right now help them conquer their fears? Some of you are like, man, I've never even prayed for someone. I know this is you getting over a fear right now. You're like, I don't know. I don't even know what to pray. Just talk to the Lord right now and just say, God, help them get over their fear. If that's all you say, that's fine. But right now, I want you just right now, just all across this room, could you just close your eyes for a moment and just begin to talk to the Lord and just say, God, right now, I pray for this person on my left, on my right. Come on, you would just begin to lift it up right now. You would say, God, right now, that you would, that you right now would break through. God, areas of fear in their life. Areas of things that they're facing right now. God, God, we, we don't know personally maybe what those fears are, but we know that you know, God. And so we're asking right now, Father, that you would move in this place and in the hearts and lives of individuals across this room that people would receive a breakthrough, God. Because in community, God, we stand together. In community, God, we, we, we are bonded together, God. In community, God, we will overcome fear, God. We'll model it out. We'll model out your peace for others around us. 
Come on, just continue to pray. Just continue to pray. Father, right now across this room, of Jesus Christ. We command fear to leave the minds and hearts of your people. In the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, we tell you fear, you have no place. You're not welcome. Father, we pray that you would release dreams and visions. God, that you would release provision, God, that you would release your presence, Lord Jesus. God, that we would observe your presence. Even now, God, being hand in hand with other individuals across this room, God, God, may we sense and feel what it feels like to be in community, to know that we're not alone, God. May that one fear that drives so deeply, God, this, this feeling of being alone, God, may you take that fear right now and may you cast that aside. And may we know, God, that we're not alone. But God, that you are with us, that you've brought a community around us, God, who will walk hand in hand with us. God, I pray that you will do amazing things in and through our lives. This is the name that is above all their names, the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to, as we close. Yeah. On the way out, you're gonna receive one of these cards right here, a few of these, and if you need extras, you can pick them up. I'm gonna challenge you to get over your fear of inviting someone. Invite him to come out to church on Easter. Say, hey, listen, I, I want you to come with me. Arrange it. We have the three gatherings. We'll have free family photos. We'll have coffee, donuts, the whole works, all that stuff. It'll be a great experience. The gathering's gonna be amazing. You're not gonna to wanna to miss it. But let's take those steps today walking out and saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this. Let's trust him in this. If you're someone today who maybe you're like, man, I, I still need prayer. Our prayer team is going to be down front. They'd love to pray with you, believe with you. Maybe there's a fear that you know, man, it's been really gripping. You're like, man, I just, I feel like I just need to confess. I need to tell someone this is a fear and have them pray for me. Listen, you can do that. The prayer team will be up here. Maybe, maybe you uh, need healing your body. The prayer team would love to pray with you. So they'll be up front. But we would love to see you guys. Listen, do not forget to sign up for Good to Great. You can go back to the kiosk. You can be a part of that. We want to give you that free t-shirt. The reason why we're saying sign up is because we have to print the t-shirt. So we need your t-shirt size, all that kind of stuff. Get those details out there at the kiosk. We love you guys. Have a great week. Hope to see you this Wednesday. If not, we'll see you next Sunday at 9 or 11. God bless.